Would you turn in your Bibles with me once again to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, uh, verses 10 through 17 this morning as we uh, continue to work our way through Luke's Gospel. Uh, We come today to the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And uh, as I hope we'll see, this is a story that has uh, so much to teach us about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Before we read God's word together, uh, let's pray and ask for his help. Father, we thank you for your written word. Uh, We thank you today that we have access to this divine revelation in a language that we can understand. Uh, But Lord, uh, we still need your help. Uh, We need the Holy Spirit to uh, illumine this word, to give us understanding, to give us hearts to believe. And we pray, Lord, wills that bow down to all that you would say to us today. And so, Lord, we ask that you would take now the bread of life and break it for us and feed us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. Let's hear God's word. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so and had them all sit down and taking the five loaves And the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, twelve baskets of broken pieces." Well, the story of the feeding of the 5,000 is one of the most well-known stories in the Gospels, one of the most beloved stories in the Gospels. In fact, apart from the resurrection, this is the only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I think that tells us that for the apostles and the early church, this this story carried with it special significance. And I think, you know, we could put it this way in our terms today, this this is more than just a cute Sunday school story that we tell our children. This is, this is a story that is deeply rooted in biblical history and, and packed full of theological significance. 
There's so much we could look at today in this passage, but I want us to just focus our eyes on the Lord Jesus today and see what this story tells us about him. And there are three things about the Lord Jesus I want to point us to today. And then first of all, the, that Jesus is a compassionate Savior. And then secondly, I want us to see that Jesus is the bread of life. And then third, that Jesus satisfies all of the needs of his people. And so in the first place, Jesus is a compassionate Savior. And we know from the other Gospels that Jesus and the apostles were tired. Uh, Mark tells us that they had been going through a season of ministry that was so demanding that at times the apostles couldn't even stop to eat. And you'll remember the background here in Luke is Jesus had sent out the apostles to go into the surrounding regions to proclaim the gospel and he had given them power to heal the sick and to cast out demons. And now the apostles are coming back after that busy season of ministry and Jesus knows that they all need a little bit of rest. Now add to that, uh, Mark, Matthew tells us that Jesus has just received really terrible news. Uh, messengers have just come to the Lord Jesus to tell him that his dear friend and cousin John the Baptist has, has been beheaded at the whims of a little girl. His friend and his cousin, the forerunner of the Messiah, has been put to death. And so I think we can understand why, why Jesus wanted to take his 12 disciples and withdraw for a little while. Uh, to seek rest um, and reflect upon the loss of his dear friend. But as we read this story, when Jesus arrived in Bethsaida, the crowds learned his whereabouts and began to come to him, demanding his attention. Now just ask yourself for a moment, put yourself in the shoes of the apostles here. How, how would you react? You know, you, you've been with the kids all day and you, you just need a break. Or uh, you've had a rough few days at, at work and someone comes to you and, and needs your help. How do you respond? Well, you see how the Lord Jesus responds in this story. He doesn't respond with frustration or impatience or anger. No, instead he welcomes them and he teaches them and he heals their sick. And Mark gives us a little window into what was Jesus feeling as he performed these acts of grace? And Mark tells us that what motivated Jesus was compassion. Now, this word compassion in the New Testament, I think it occurs eight times in the Gospels. And every time it occurs, it applies and refers to Jesus. It's either referring to Jesus, or it's the word spoken by Jesus. And, and for our Lord, compassion is, it, it goes far, far further than a, a mere sentimental feeling. For, for Jesus, compassion is something that he, he felt deep down in Old Testament language. It was something he felt in his guts. 
And so when he saw the needs of these people, he was moved by compassion that led him to meet these people's needs. So what's this teaching us about our Savior? Well, I think very basically it's teaching us that Jesus has compassion on troubled people. And his compassion, it motivates him to do something about it. He doesn't just have a momentary feeling of sympathy and then get on with it. He is moved by his compassion to show mercy. And so he looks at this crowd and instead of dismissing them, instead of anger or impatience, he is moved with the deepest sympathy to see that these people's needs are met. So I want us to, I want us to think about what that means for you and me, brothers and sisters. Maybe at times in your life you've thought, you know, does, Jesus, does Jesus really care about me? Does Jesus really care about my life or what's happening in my life? Or am I just a bother to Jesus? See, this story shows us that when anyone comes to Jesus, they, they come to a Savior full of compassion for for needy and helpless sinners. And my friends, we're told in Hebrews that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have the same Savior today. You can, you can go to him and know that he cares. I think another thing, before we move on from Jesus' compassion, another thing we learn is this. You know, part of, part of being a Christian involves by by the grace of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, being made more and more like the Lord Jesus, uh, being conformed to the likeness of the Savior we follow. And I think that means not only in terms of our thought life and our actions, but also, but also our emotional life. That the grace of God is powerful enough to reshape and reform the emotions of God's people. And so when we see needy and helpless people, instead of anger or impatience or just a dismissal, instead God's people are moved with compassion and they want to seek to bring help in the help of the Lord and the strength that the Lord Jesus provides. And so my friends, Let's remember that Jesus, when he was tired, exhausted, he considered the needs of others more important than his own. He had a heart for the needs of others. And, and needy people were not an inconvenience to him, but he was, ready, he was ready to give and to give and to give and to give. And this is the Savior that you and I have been called to follow. And part of following him, dear friends, means becoming more and more like him. And so we see a Savior full of compassion for, for needy people. And then secondly, this story, it teaches us that Jesus is the bread of life. Now on the surface, this, this story, it, it's pretty straightforward Jesus withdraws with his disciples to Bethsaida, which is along the northern shores of the Sea of Galilee. 
and we're told that this is a desolate place. Actually, uh, the Greek word here that Luke uses is the word for desert or wilderness. And that'll have significance because Luke is connecting what takes place here in Bethsaida with something God did for his people all of the way back in the book of Exodus. But we'll come back to that in just a minute. Because this is a desolate place, his disciples grew concerned about, well, what are we going to do with this crowd? Where are they going to stay? (coughs) And even more pressing, what are they going to eat? And so we're told as the day began to wear away, in verse 12, the disciples say to Jesus, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are in a desolate place. And this is one of those occasions where Jesus is full of surprises, isn't he? I mean, he says things that, that rock your world. Uh, he responds not by sending the crowd away, but by giving the disciples this startling command. He looks at them and he says, you give them something to eat. And of course, the, the disciples are, are left scrambling. You know, all we have at our uh, disposal is five loaves of bread and two fish. Uh, so, so, so maybe maybe Jesus means that he wants us to, uh, to break into the ministry uh, fund and, and uh, deplete the ministry funds. Um, you know, it, basically their response to Jesus is, uh, Lord, what you're asking for is impossible. And, and I think that's exactly the point. Jesus understood that, that that was what he wanted them to understand. He was underlining their inability and his ability to care for these people. He, he wants his disciples to understand that they do not have what the people need, but he does. And they can't, they can't meet the people's needs in and of themselves, but, but he can. Nevertheless, the great reminder in this story is that Jesus is pleased then to include and use his disciples in order to feed these needy people. I think there's a, a great lesson there about ministry in the church and ministry as individual Christians as we seek to serve our Lord Jesus in and of ourselves. We do not have the resources to meet people's needs. And we need to understand that because Jesus wants his disciples to be utterly dependent upon him as we seek to be used by the the risen Lord of glory to make his glory known among the nations. Now, I think this story, it, it, it is told at a rapid pace. It kind of speeds up here. Once the disciples recognize they don't have the resources, Jesus gives another command. Now he, he, he's taking over here. He tells the disciples to, uh, to group the crowds into smaller groups of about 50 each. He took the five loaves and two fish. He prayed. Then he took the food and, and he gave it to his disciples to give to the people. It's all, as you read it, it's just all so matter of fact, isn't it? And if you have a curious mind, as you read it, you're left thinking, well, wait, wait a second, how did this happen? How did this miracle take place? 
So I think it's interesting to notice that none of the Gospels focus on the how of the miracle. That they simply state the miracle as a matter of fact and focus our attention on the miracle worker himself. You know, Luke doesn't go on this, this theological discourse about how, how God can suspend the laws of nature and multiply bread from five loaves and multiply fish from two fish to feed 5,000 and who knows how many more because we're not told how many women and children were there. We're simply told that Jesus took five loaves and two fish and turned them into enough to feed this great crowd. And, And the reason for that, I think, is because the purpose of the story is not so that we would try to dissect the miracle, but that we would learn something about the miracle worker himself, that we would learn something about Jesus. You know, for sure, this is an incredible miracle of multiplication. But the fundamental question that Luke wants us to be asking is not, how did this miracle take place? But rather, the fundamental question is, what does this miracle teach us about Jesus Christ? And to answer that question, I think we need to go back in our Bibles, and we need to think about the biblical background to this story that I alluded to a moment ago. Because like so much of the New Testament, dear friends, this story has its roots in the Old Testament. And uh, this New Testament miracle echoes uh, from Old Testament miracles. And I want, us to, I want us to see this because it allows us to understand, I think, what God wants us to see here. So there are two stories I want to remind you of. First, the, the manna or the bread of heaven given by God to Israel in Exodus 16. And then the multiplication of bread in 2 Kings chapter 4. In Exodus 16, the people of Israel, you remember, they wanted to go back to Egypt after God redeemed them. They had, been, they had been slaves in Egypt, uh, subject to the, the, the commands of Pharaoh, basically building his kingdom by the sweat of their own brow. And it was so bad that the people cried out to the Lord for deliverance. And in his grace, he, he heard their cry and he raised up a deliverer and a servant, Moses, to go to Egypt and to deliver the people of God out of slavery. And so God, in his sovereign grace, through Moses, brought his people out of bondage and then led them to this desolate place, into the wilderness of Sinai. And you remember, as they wondered, what did the people begin to do? The people began to grumble. They, They forgot the troubles of Egypt and all that they could remember was the food that they had while they were there. And so some began suggesting we should go back to Egypt. They would rather forfeit their God-given freedom and go back to slavery so that they could eat. And so in Exodus 16, they cry out again to the Lord. And the Lord, despite their grumbling, hears their cry and had compassion on them and, and met their need. How? By, you remember, by raining down Manna or bread from heaven. Six days out of the week and on the sixth day he sent twice as much so that the people could gather it for the Lord or for the Sabbath. Too much of a New Testament Christian. 
uh, the Sabbath so that they could devote that day uh, to worship and, and rest. I want you to hear this. In Exodus 16, verse 11, God says to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them at twilight, you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So just think about the connections here. So the people of God were hungry and in a desolate place. And God met their need in abundance. And the reason he gave the food is stated there in the verse we just read. In order that they would know that he is the Lord their God. And in order that they would understand that he is their supplier and provider of everything they need. And then in in 2 Kings 4, the prophet Elisha was used by God to to multiply barley cakes to feed a hundred men. And once again, we see God brings bread to his hungry people. And in 2 Kings 4, verse 43, we read this. Notice, Notice the parallel with Luke 9. Elijah says, give the bread to the men that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. So set it before them and they ate and had some left according to the word of the Lord. So you see the significance of what is happening here in Luke chapter 9. Christ is providing food for God's people in a desolate place by multiplying bread. And Jesus, I think, is being (coughs) presented in the Gospels as one who is greater than Moses, one who is greater than Elisha. In fact, that he is the Lord who cares for his people. But these miracles are not just about meeting physical needs and filling stomachs as we see so clearly in the Gospels. Ultimately, ultimately this miracle told the people that God had sent his son as the bread of life to give his people eternal life. This is how Jesus explains the meaning of all of this in in John chapter 6. In verse 32, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst for This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. In other words, the the feeding of the 5,000, it was an object lesson meant to teach the people spiritual truths. God meets his people's needs by giving them the true bread of life. And Jesus makes this this amazing declaration. He declares himself to be the bread sent from heaven so that whoever believes in him and whoever feeds upon him in faith has their sins forgiven and they are given eternal life. And so just think about this lesson between the physical bread and the spiritual lesson that Jesus is teaching 
his disciples. Physical bread means life. And and just as we need bread for life, we need heavenly bread for eternal life. And if you go long enough without bread, what happens to you? You die. (laughs) What happens to us if we go without the bread of heaven, the bread of life sent by the Father? We perish eternally. And so just as we need daily bread to sustain life, we're being taught here we need the bread of life from heaven. Moses couldn't provide that bread. Elisha couldn't provide that bread. But the Lord Jesus is that bread sent by the Father to give his people eternal life. And so this miracle, it is teaching us at the core, my friends, that you and I need Jesus Christ. We need the bread of life. We need the bread sent down from heaven. We're, we're not simply to look at this miracle and wonder at the miracle, but we are to look at the one who performed this miracle and say, I need him. I need the bread of life. I need the bread that only God can provide for my salvation. And so this story, it, it teaches us Jesus is a compassionate Savior and that Jesus is the bread of life. And then I also want us to see, it teaches us that Jesus fully satisfies. It's a a beautiful verse. Look Look at verse 17 with me as this story concludes. They all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. You know, this, this word satisfied, it means, it means that their needs were, were met. Uh, last week, uh, I had the chance to spend a couple of days with Kelsey at her parents' house. And Kelsey's mom loves to feed people. <laughs> and when you're there, you, you never go hungry. And there's always more to go around. You know, you're always satisfied, sometimes Overly so. <laughs> but that's, that's what's being described here. Uh, but again, just like the, the physical bread is, is meant to teach a spiritual lesson, this is meant to be a lesson about more than satisfied stomachs. The point Luke is making is that Jesus always satisfies the needs of his people. It's about how the bread of life meets our every need. Jesus never, ever leaves his people wanting. He gives everything we need, dear friends, both for this life and for all eternity. This is, this is why Paul can say in Philippians 3 that he counted everything else he had as, as rubbish for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. Because Paul came to understand that in the Lord Jesus Christ, he had everything he really needed. A righteousness not his own, but one that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. The power of new life and the hope of resurrection life one day. You see, you can can spend your life, and this is the tragedy of so many lives. You can spend your life on that which cannot satisfy. 
You, know, you, can, you can labor away in the pursuit of things that, yes, may provide temporary external satisfaction, but eventually, eventually perish. You can, you can drink the, the cisterns of this world, but what will happen? You will, you will thirst again. But this story is here, and it's telling us when you, when you come to the Lord Jesus, you, you find a satisfaction that no one else and nothing else in this world can supply. And, and he welcomes us, all of us, to, to give up on the broken cisterns and find Christ to be our all in, in all. And so I want, to ask, I want to ask all of us a question today. And the question is this, where are you looking for satisfaction in your life today? Are you you going to the the cisterns of of this world? Are you spending, expending your life on that which ultimately cannot satisfy your real needs, your eternal needs? You see, this story, it calls us to go to Jesus Christ and be satisfied in him alone, to see that Jesus is our life, to see that Jesus is our hope, to see that Jesus is our source of salvation and, and eternal life. J.C. Ryle says about this passage that the, the heart of man can never be satisfied with the things of this world. It, it is always empty, hungry, thirsty, dissatisfied, Till it comes to Christ. You see, but the person who does come to Christ will have a never-ending supply of divine provision. We're meant to see in this story that you will will never ever exhaust the provision of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And I think that's why this story tells us about leftovers. (laughs) You notice that's how the story ends. Jesus did not skimp on his provision for these people. He satisfied their needs. And and there are 12 baskets of bread left over. One for each apostle. Uh, You see what Jesus is teaching his people. It's it's another object lesson. That God's provision in Christ, it is is extravagant. It It is inexhaustible. There is an abundance of grace provided in the bread of life that you and I can never exhaust. And so the story, it is is about a compassionate Savior who is the bread of life that we need for eternal life and the satisfaction of our souls. Again, there there are people in this world, just as there were many in this crowd and and perhaps some of you here today who are seeking satisfaction apart from fellowship with Jesus Christ. And one of the most tragic things, dear friends, you'll, you'll ever witness in this world is a person who lives their entire life pursuing things that ultimately cannot satisfy. And as the years roll on, And as their bodies begin to decay, the things that they looked to for satisfaction, the vanity of those things become so, so abundantly clear. And only as you feed 
on the bread of life, well, you have satisfaction that endures for all eternity. That is, that is why Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 27, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. And then later in that same chapter, Jesus defines uh, what the bread of life is. Jesus says it is his own flesh. And then he makes this startling statement that unless you drink of his blood and eat of his body, you have no life in you. That unless you partake of the Lord Jesus Christ and you come to him by faith, you do not have eternal life, is what Jesus is saying there. Now you understand, Jesus means this spiritually. He's not talking about a physical or carnal feeding. But you can't get much more graphic than that, can you? That unless day by day you feed upon Jesus Christ, you cannot have the forgiveness of sins. You cannot have eternal life. But Jesus wants us to understand that if you come to him and you rely on him day by day, that you will have Everything you need, both for this life and the life to come. And so as we think about the story of the feeding of the 5,000, my friends, we see that Jesus is the bread of life who has given his own flesh for us. He, he died on the cross in order that we might have eternal life. And, and when we go to him, when we become one with him, when we are united to him by faith, all of our needs are met by God's bountiful provision in our compassionate Savior. And as we come to the Lord's table together today, we are reminded of these very truths. So before we do so, let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are a, a compassionate Savior. Uh, we thank you that you are the bread of life come down from heaven to give your People who were dead in sins and trespasses, eternal life. And we thank you that we have everything that we need in the gospel. May all of us here today, Lord, know this for ourselves and be one with the Lord Jesus Christ. Encourage us now as we meet with you at the table. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.